Let's pray this morning. Father, we've given this day back to you early this morning as our team prayed, as our volunteers prayed, as we as a pastoral team prayed. Father, we've given this day to you and we just ask that your kingdom would come, your will would be done, not just in our church and in our city, but in our individual lives. God, speak to us today some things that will mold and shape our lives, that will lead us into paths of blessing. We'll thank you for all that you say and do in Jesus' name. Amen. In a few minutes, we're going to read from Proverbs chapter 3. And last week, I started a, just a two-week series on paths of blessing, paths that bring blessing into our lives, paths that lead to God's blessing. And we're looking at a few verses out of Proverbs 3, and I love these verses. And last week, we talked about two of the paths, and we're going to get into the other paths today. But let me take a minute and set this up for you. One of the most important principles that we learn from Scripture, we find it in Deuteronomy 11, we find it in Deuteronomy 30, we find it throughout Scripture, is that God has given us the power of choice. We are free to make choices, how we're going to live our lives, what we're going to do with God, what we're going to do without God. Every day that we live, we have to make decisions. There are choices to be made. Some are important. Some are relatively unimportant. What am I going to wear today? What am I going to eat today? You know, what's your route? Am I going to drive to work? What am I going to do this evening? On and on and on. And then there are big decisions of life. What kind of house am I going to buy? What kind of vehicle do I need to purchase right now? And then there are situations about family matters, relationships that we have to make choices. We have to make decisions. Who am I going to allow to be close to me? Who are my friends going to be? Who am I going to marry? Is that a big one for anybody here in the house? Who am I not going to marry? That's an even bigger one, isn't it? We take all these choices, but God wants us to know when it comes to spiritual things and when it comes to many common sense things in life, God wants us to make wise decisions because wise decisions lead to God's blessing. And in Proverbs 3, we see so much of that. And literally what God said in, in Deuteronomy 11 and Deuteronomy 30, he said, I set before you a blessing and a curse. I set before you life and death. And he said, you've got to choose. And God said, I encourage you to choose life, choose blessing. Make wise choices because some paths lead to blessing. God's favor, God's intervention and provision. Other paths will lead to trouble, opposition, and pain. We choose our paths, we choose our lifestyles but the one thing I want to make sure we're aware of today is a lot of us tend to make poor choices and then we blame God or we blame the devil for our choices and it tends to give us bad theology and it tends to keep us from taking responsibility for the choices that we make in life and God basically says look I want to help you make wise decisions so consult me I'll help you choose good paths paths that bring blessing into your life last week we talked about the path of boundaries that God says I've given you instructions I've given you commandments to provide borders and boundaries for your life because you get outside these lines it's going to create problems for you but if you stay on this path with these boundaries blessing continues to come talked about those boundaries we talked about the path of perspective that we have to go through life always wrestling with mercy and truth 
What he said in Proverbs 3 was, wrap these things around your neck. Put them on a rope or a chain and wrap them around your neck. Keep them right in front of you. And in every situation of life, when you're dealing with people, have mercy, but keep truth in front of you. Talked about that last week. Today, I want to look at three other things here in Proverbs 3. I'm going to move quickly. I'm going to look at these three things today, three more paths. Look at Proverbs 3. We're going to begin reading at verse number 5. If you don't have a Bible with you or something on your device, it'll be on the screen for you. Proverbs 3, verse 5. I want you to read with me like we did last week because these words are really, really important. Let's begin at verse 5. Read with me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Let's go to verse 6. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Now go on to verse 7. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. And then one more verse, verse 8. Let's read it together. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. I want to talk first of all this morning about the path of trust the path of trust in verse number five the lord says trust in me trust in me trust me in the original writings this word trust literally means make me your refuge make me the place you run to when you need help in time of trouble in time of danger make me your refuge i was thinking about it earlier this morning if you read through the Psalms, it's amazing how many times the psalmist talked about the Lord and said, you are my refuge. I run to you. In time of danger, I cry out to you. One time he said, I cried unto the Lord and he saved me. Over and over again, he refers to this principle of God being his refuge. Well, when you look at what David lived through, you understand he had a lot of dangerous situations, had a lot of battles to fight, a lot of challenges in life. He had enemies who wanted to destroy him. He began to cry out to God, God, help me. Be my refuge. In times of trouble, we can always run to God and trust God. But it's more than that. He said, trust in the Lord with all of your heart, all of your decisions, all of the choices in life. Run to God and get God's input into the decisions of life. You know, I think as we look at these five paths, each one of them are important in a different way but this path is so important because it tends to be human nature to want to do things all by yourself i can do this i can handle this i can take care of this but yet god says trust me trust me i want to ask you a question today how do you make your decisions in life ask yourself the question how do i make my decisions where do i look to when i need counsel and direction the lord says run to me especially when you've got those big situations those challenging situations run to me and let me help you make wise decisions what these verses really say are this trust god with everything that you do and don't depend only on your own wisdom in all of your decisions know his thoughts and he will make your paths easier I use this illustration a lot when I teach on wisdom, when I teach on understanding and knowledge, because it's one of those that a lot of us have learned the hard way. Did you know scripture warns us about signing off on somebody else's loan, co-signing? 
How, how many wish you'd, you'd talk to God about that one before you signed on somebody else's loan? See, some of us have been there and done that. Some of us paid the price in a big way. God says, I want to give you wisdom to know how to navigate every question and challenge of life, but you need to run to me and let me be your refuge. I cannot tell you how many times I've sat and opened God's word and been reading and I run across a principle and as I read, I think, wow, I wish I'd known that before I decided that. I wish I'd known that before I chose this path. Why? Because every decision, every choice in life creates a pathway. It opens the door and says, okay, there you go. That's your choice. Here's the path you want to walk. Well, no, no, I don't really want to go that way. I just want to do it this way. And God says, no, 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 no. Every decision, every choice puts you on a path. Well, I want God's blessing in all that I do. Then we need to learn to choose God's path. And it begins with me trusting God. Do you trust God today? Do you trust God? Do I really trust God? In the middle of this, he gives us a caution. It's interesting. Most of, most of these paths here in Proverbs 3, it's like two verses. This one's four verses. Because God knows our human nature. In, in the last two verses, he goes to a little different thing. He gives us a caution. First, he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him. It means to know him, know his wisdom, know his mind, know his heart. In all of your ways, know him, and he'll direct your paths. And after he says that, he says, okay, don't be wise in your own eyes. Can I illustrate this for you? Hey, God, things have been going pretty good. So you know what? This is, this, this is a big deal, but you know what? I got this. I can do this one on my own. How many times have you done that and wound up in a bad place? See, our human nature is, I got this. I got this. I can do this all by myself. As children, you know, we're teaching our children how to do things. We get ready to cross the street and we grab our kid's hand because we want them to be close to our side in case there's a vehicle coming. But remember when your children get to the age where they yank their hand away and say, I can do this. I don't need this anymore. I don't need you to hold my hand. Sometimes we go through life and there are times when we need to let God hold our hands. But our nature is to say, oh, I got this. I can do this all by myself. That's kind of our human nature. God says, trust me. Trust me. Don't be wise in your own eyes. But reverence God and depart from evil. The word reverence, in the writings it says fear, fear the Lord. It means to reverence him. It means to respect him. It means to put him in his rightful place and believe him. God says, stay with me and I'll keep you off of the evil path. Don't go the wrong way. Don't do it on your own. Trust in God. So I say, oh yeah, I trust God. If I were to ask today, how many of you trust God? I think everybody in the house would raise your hand. So let me ask the next question. Ask yourself, am I letting God help me make my decisions in life? Am I letting God help me choose my paths? Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. How important is God's voice to you? How important is God's voice to me? Ask yourself the question. Had something interesting happen this week. And I don't want to, you know, I'm not going to be legalistic about this. So, but, but just hear me out for a moment. I was visiting with someone this week who 
visited our church last Sunday. Came as a visitor. And, you know, they, they come from a church background, but they'd never been in a church quite like ours, at least not on a regular basis. But they visited our church, and I was talking with this person this week. And in the middle of our conversation, this person said to me, you know, I was in church last week, and I, I kind of set up away from the front. I didn't want to sit down front. I set up toward the back. And he asked me the question, he said, do you know what goes on while you're speaking? So I'm thinking, well, I think so. He said, no, no. Do you know what's going on out in the seats while you're speaking? I said, well, I see some of it. What's your point? And he said, I see people up there messing with their phones, texting, doing this, doing that, on the Internet. He said, commotion, people running in and out, going here and there, this happening. He said, I come from a background where you go to church, people reverence what goes on. Now, please, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't do this, to, 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 you know, I'm not trying to offend anybody. But I want you to think with me today. You're going to hear me for about 40 minutes this morning. And I know I'm not God. Everybody turn to your neighbor and say, yeah, he's not God. He got... But on Sunday mornings, when we're teaching God's word, this is God's voice speaking to us. If we're going to trust in God... We need to respect his voice. We need to respect his voice. And you know what? I, you know, I'm, I have to say this all the time to remind you. I'm still a young man. But, but I, I know. I mean, I, I drink two cups of coffee on Sunday morning, and I drink a bottle of water before service. When church is over, I have to use the bathroom. And, and you know, I'm not being crude, but the older I get, the more urgent it becomes. But you know what? If I can stand up here and preach for 40 minutes and then I can hold it, you can hold it too, 99.9% .9 of you. Everybody smile at me, please. I can't see everybody's face. It's a little too dark, but I hope nobody's getting angry at me. Can we not just for 40 minutes reverence God's word? Some of us came to church today and we desperately need to hear this. Maybe we need to hear what God's saying to us today. God said, you know what? Here's the deal. If you'll let me help make your decisions, if you'll trust me, I'll put you on a path that will bring health and strength and blessing into your life. I'll help you get on a path that's easier. How many of you would like for life to be just a little bit easier? Sometimes we suffer because of our decisions. Let me give you an illustration of that. Every now and then, I meet somebody and I say, eh, in conversation, you know, we start talking and you look at somebody and man, they got etches all over their face and they are hard and it's, look, you look at me and think, man, you know, it, it's not the years, it's the miles, you know. It's not how many years they live, it's the way they've lived. Scripture tells us the way of the transgressor is hard. The way of the transgressor is hard. Amen. Some of us have got hardness etched all over our faces because we've made so many poor choices. And after a while, it's like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to do it all my own way. That's not what God's wanting from us. He wants to make life easier. But good understanding gives favor. We need to start 
asking God to help us with the decisions of life. Number two, look at Proverbs 3, verse number 9. This is the second path I want to talk about today. Verse 9, we're going to read it together, verses 9 and 10. Let's get them on the screen. Here we go. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. Some of y'all aren't reading loud enough, okay? Read it one more time. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. Why? So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. He's fast and low, isn't he? I love these two verses. I love these two verses. I love these two verses. I love to talk about this subject. I can go for hours on this because I've been reading it and studying it for 40 years. It's become a part of my life. It's second nature to me. I can tell you what I do, why I do it, what I believe about this. I can tell you from the Old Testament in Genesis all the way through the book of Revelation. I can tell you what I believe about this because I've read God's word and I know what God says about it. But it's interesting when you read these words. This verse is really about one thing. It's recognition. The first path was the path of trust. The next path is about recognition. Recognizing who God is, what he is, and what he wants from me. It's recognition. It's about putting God in his rightful place in my life. And some of us have never yet understood that maybe the greatest challenge you will ever face in your heart is letting God be the Lord of your finances and your possessions. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make. It's a lesson that is so contrary to our human nature because we think I got to get it and I got to hold it and I got to do it my way. And you know what, God, you just got to bless me the best you can because you know my heart. Yes, the problem is God knows our hearts. Because here's what the Lord says. Honor the Lord with your possessions. You, you know what the word honor means in the original writings here? It means something of weight, something of influence. It means it's, it's a heavy principle. It's a heavy thing. It's so weighty that it carries weight in my life. How important is God's help to you? How important is God's help? Honor the Lord. Make him weighty. Let him weigh in on your finances how many would like god to just weigh in on your finances today come on i got about four hands out there how many of you would like god to just weigh in on your finances god if you just put one finger on there and tip the scales a little bit it would help here's what he said about it honor the lord make make god weighty let god weigh in make him important in your financial decisions by doing what honor the lord with your possessions. Possessions means your wealth, your substance, whatever you have. It even says to bring him the first fruits, the first part in time, order, and rank, the very first part of all of your income or produce. That's what it says in the original writings. 
Now, we live in a society today, at least most of us, that's not an agricultural society. A lot of verses in the Bible that talk about finances and possessions address it from the standpoint of an agricultural society. Planting seeds, the seeds grow, they produce a harvest, you take the harvest, so on and so forth. Here's what God said. Every time a harvest comes into your life, bring me the first part of it. Honor me. Recognize me. Acknowledge me as the Lord over your finances. Recognize God as the Lord over my wallet, over my checkbook, over what I get. Honor God with that too? Yeah, because he wants to bless it. Are you listening to me today? He wants to bless it. Some of you have not been taught this. We'll get into more of this in the fall of this year. God wants to bless our finances. He wants to bless us. God wants to bless us. I'm, I may need to say that 50 times because some of you have been taught just the opposite. God wants to bless us. He says, honor the Lord with all of this. And one of the most important ways that we honor God is by giving back to him what he's given to us. Now, let, let, me, let me talk about these principles for a couple of minutes. Can I, can I just have heart to heart with you today? Is that okay for, for a couple of minutes? It's early service. We have to end on time because we have second service. So we're, y'all don't worry, I'm not going to be here all day. One of the most important ways we honor God is with what we produce. Ann and I own a home, sits on a piece of land. And if you go to the title deed and check it all out, our names are on that title deed. But is there anybody here that thinks that that land doesn't really belong to God? Psalms 24 says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. You know whose world you're living on? You know whose earth you're living on? Well, I got my quarter acre all cut out and this is mine. Really? Don't pay your taxes for a year and find out who is it is. Don't pay your house payment for three months and find out whose it is. See, just because God didn't write his name on the mountains doesn't believe God doesn't own it. The earth is, earth is the Lord, the fullness thereof. The cattle, the hills, the gold, all of it, the silver, everything in this earth belongs to God. And here we are living on it, acting like this is mine. Whose car did you drive to church today? You drove God's car to church. Whose clothes did you wear to church? Some of you say, well, I wore Calvin's pants <laughs> and I wore Ben's shirt and I wore somebody else's shoes. No, you're wearing God's clothes. Whose food are you going to eat today? God's food. You see, we have to come to the place where we recognize God owns everything. If I recognize God owns everything and I recognize that God wants to give me everything I need in life, all of a sudden it takes the pressure off of me. Why? Because I can trust God to be my source in life. But as long as I'm trying to do it myself, I struggle and I struggle and I struggle. God wants us to be good stewards of what he's put in our hands. And the first thing he says is, all right, every time harvest comes in, take the first part and bring it to me. Because God owns it anyway. Let me give you something else to think about. 
When we talked about first fruits, the first part of our increase, we understand it. Okay, if I go out and harvest a bunch of peaches, the first tenth of those peaches belongs to God. Three Sundays ago, I was in India, a little church, village church outside of the, you know, in a very small rural area. And I've seen this in Africa and I've seen it in India. And every time I see it, it just grabs my heart. People came to church and they, you know, they pass offering containers and there's money put in the containers. But a lot of people come to church and bring their bags with their fruits and vegetables and come up and lay it on the altar down front. That's their offering because that's what they live off of. And boy, to sit there and watch that, because I don't live in, in a society that I think of as an agricultural society. I mean, most of us don't even see a paycheck anymore. It's just direct deposited into our account, and we just see it shows up on the, on the 15th and the last, or the 1st and 15th. But when you see that, you understand. Here people live in a third world nation, coming to church, bringing the 10th of what their increase is, laying on God's altar, saying, God, I want you to get involved in my material needs. And yet we in America who are so blessed, who got so much, well, what do you mean? What do you mean? You, you want me? No, I don't want you to give. God wants you to give. Why? Because he wants to bless you. But when I give to God, it's recognition. It's recognition of these things. And he says, bring me the first part. I can teach again. I can teach for 30 minutes or an hour on that first part. In the very beginning, when Cain and Abel are asked to bring offerings to God, Abel brings the first of his flock. It says that Cain just brought a, an offering. Eh, I'll give God what I want to give God. It says God rejected his offering. You go back to the very beginning of time, the principle of the first part belongs to God. You see it right there. You see it all throughout scriptures. Some of us misread Malachi 3. Malachi 3, one of the most famous verses in the Bible about giving says, well, there's going to be a curse on us. If I don't give to God, he's going to get mad at me. No, there's already a curse on you if you don't trust God with it. The point is, God says, I want to bless you. I want to open the windows of heaven and pour out blessing on your life. But God says this, honor me first. Recognize me first. Can I, can I just say this to you? God wants to be first in every area of our lives. Every area. Because he wants to get involved in every area. He says, bring me the first part. Jesus talked about this. Some of you quote the verse all the time and don't even know what it means. Matthew 6, What does it say? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then what? All these things will be added unto you. You put it back in context, all these things. You know what Jesus was talking about? Food, clothing, shelter. He said, look at the birds. I feed them. You can't feed them, but I do. Look at the flowers of the field, how beautiful they are. I clothe them. Why do you worry about food? Why do you worry about clothing? What did he say? Seek first. Seek first. Seek first. Jesus was talking to Jews. He was talking to people who knew the Old Testament. They understood what first meant. They understood first fruits. When God said first, they understood the rank and the order. We give to God first, and then God blesses everything else. That's what he's talking about in Malachi 3. Jesus talked about it in the New Testament. Paul said on the first day of the week, bring to God as you have been blessed. He's talking about giving that first part to God because God wants to get involved in our finances. It's funny, God says, 
Would a man rob God? Malachi 3, would a man rob God? Well, how could we ever rob God? We rob God not just of what belongs to him, but we rob God of the opportunity to bless our lives. God wants to bless you. But he says, trust me with this. Recognize me as your source and put me first. One other thought here. Malachi 3, he says, bring the tithes and the offerings into the storehouse that there will be meat in my house. Have you ever stopped to think for a minute what would happen with the gospel if every Christian brought their first tenth to God? Do you know how quickly we would cover this globe? Do you know how quickly we would reach unreached tribes? Have you ever stopped to think that God wants us to give to his work, to his house? Listen, because what God's trying to do in the earth is just as important to him as what you're trying to do in the earth. It's good. Think about this. Oh, oh, but when it comes to finances, God, you're on your own and I'm on my own. I can do just fine without you. For most of you, how's that going? How's that going? All God's saying is recognize if you bring meat into my house, my word goes out. My work is accomplished. I'm able to do everything that I plan on doing in the earth, but I need you to cooperate with me here. And basically God is saying, put my house first and then I will build your house. Trust me. Trust me with this. And here's the promise. You bring me the first fruits. You bring me what belongs to me. You know what I'll do? I'll see that your barns are filled. I will see that you'll have more than enough. I will see to it that your vats overflow with new wine. That means there's always provision coming in and new things happening. And one, one final little caveat here I, I am so tired of extremism I'm so tired of the one side that runs away over here and says well if you're really serving God you'll be a multi-millionaire and never have to work again the rest of your life never have to trust God again that's not scriptural can I tell you that that's not scriptural a lot of us say oh God help me win the lottery so I don't have to trust you anymore it's not scriptural but can I tell you to run over here and say, well, God just wants to keep us poor and God wants us to have nothing. He wants us to be way behind and just struggle all the time so we'll stay humble. Can I tell you that's not scriptural either? Can we not just take God at his word? God says, honor me. Let me weigh in. Bring me the first part of what you have what you receive, what comes into your life. Bring me the first part and I'll see to it that you have not just enough but more than enough. And the principle runs from cover to cover. I will bless you that you can be a blessing. It's not about us all being millionaires. It's not about that. It's not about that. It's about us being blessed. Well, it's quiet in the house today. This is good preaching. This is good teaching. This is the Bible. 
Can we stop arguing with God? Yes, he said all over scripture, I will make you prosperous. I will bless you. I will get involved in your financial material needs. I will do that if you put me first. Honor the Lord. Let him bless you. But the choice is ours. Third thing, third path. I'm almost finished. Proverbs 3. How many are glad we're almost to the end of this? Thank you. I appreciate that right back there. Verse 11. Look at verse 11 with me. Verses 11 and 12. Proverbs 3, verses 11 and 12. Read with me. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. Verse 12. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father the son in whom he delights. The last path I want to talk to you about is the path of correction. The path of correction. A lot of us, eh, eh, don't, don't rebuke me. If you don't have something good to say, don't say anything. A lot of us don't want to talk about correction. The Lord says, don't despise my correction. It, it literally means don't separate yourself. Don't run away and separate yourself from me and avoid my correction. I want to I spend just a few minutes in closing here today. What this verse says is do not reject God by rejecting his correction. If I reject the correction of God, then I reject God and his place in my life. I reject him being my father if I as his son reject him from speaking correction into my life. Now, let me me talk to you about this for a minute. How does God correct us? How does God correct us? Well, number one, I think the most obvious way he does it by his word. There are times we do things and scripture pops up in our heads and we realize yeah, you know, I probably shouldn't have done that or I certainly shouldn't have done it that way because the Bible says da-da-da-da-da-da-da. I cannot tell you how many times in the mornings or here at the office when I'm studying, I'll be studying or reading or just, you know, spending time with God and I'll read across a verse and all of a sudden it just kind of grabs my heart. And it's like God says, you need to pay attention to this because you're a little bit lax here. It's going to get you on the wrong path. It's amazing how many times God will correct us and speak to us from Scripture. But God also speaks by His Spirit. There are times when the Holy Spirit just checks us and we realize, you know what, I, I, I better not do that. All right? I need to catch my words right now. How many times have, have you ever had God, Holy Spirit says, don't say that. Don't. How many after you say it, then the Holy Spirit says, I told you you shouldn't have said that. <laughs> See, the Holy Spirit... Well, still, try to give us this urging. Don't, don't do that. Don't. You know, sometimes your own conscience, just knowing what's right and wrong, it corrects us. Sometimes it's the voice of other people, hopefully people who care about you. I know there are people who don't care about you who want to beat you up, but God will speak to us and correct us through other people who love us. You know, parents do it for kids. Brothers and sisters need to be able to speak into each other's lives. There are a lot of ways that God corrects us. 
But I want to show you something that I think is so important, and I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 3. I want to look at correction in the New Testament. I want you to see how this is explained, because I think it's so very important. Don't reject, don't despise the correction, the chastening of the Lord. Hebrews chapter 3, verse number 7. We're going to read through this real quickly. It says this, If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? Have you ever tried to correct your own children? Why did you do that? To put them on a path of blessing. Verse number eight, but if you are without chastening of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Everybody look right here. Anybody got a King James Bible? You know what it says there? It doesn't say illegitimate. It says bastards. It says, if I say to God, don't you correct me, I'm basically saying, you are not going to be my father, and I am not going to be your son, your child, your daughter. Now, some of you think, oh, my God, I can't believe he said that in church. Well, I can't believe John the Baptist wrote it. <laughs> John the Baptist didn't write it, but. He says, you're illegitimate if you don't want God to speak correction in your life. Everybody look right here. Do you know why God wants to speak correction into your life? To put you on the correct path so he can bless you and keep you out of danger and harm. Let's read a little further. Verse 9. Furthermore, we've had human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the father of spirits and live? For they, our earthly fathers, indeed, for a few days chastened us as it seemed best to them. But God does it for our profit. Everybody say profit. God corrects us so he can profit us and bless us. That we may be partakers of his holiness. Now some of you, when you hear the word holiness, it's like, mm, angels begin to sing, the earth begins to shake, and it's this super spiritual moment. Holiness really means his wholeness, his completeness. There's no flaw in him. God's trying to walk us into that, lead us into that, that we become partakers of his wholeness and his completeness. So he corrects us to get us off of one path to get us on the right path. Well, this is good. This is so good. I'm going to get this CD. It, this is so good, I may even have make a cassette for me. That's how good this is. <clears throat> Look at verse 11. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who've been trained by it. Why does God correct? He corrects us for our own good to put us, to direct us to a path of blessing. Now, here's, here's a problem. I'm almost finished, but I want you to hear this. Some of us don't want to hear from God about correction, chastisement. We don't want to hear any of that stuff 
because we've been badly corrected by earthly parents. God will never beat you. Everybody in the house, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fix some theology if you'll listen real closely for about two minutes. God will not beat you. God will not put marks and scars on your body. God will not kick you while you're down and hurting. That is not the nature of our loving heavenly father. You may have had earthly fathers who did that. You may have had earthly fathers who yelled and screamed and told you how pitiful you were and what a poor excuse for a human being you were and said all kinds of horrible things about you. But your heavenly father has never done that to you. What he says is, wait a minute, wait a minute, there's a better path. You're on the wrong path. Let me help you get on the right path. If you get on this path, it's a path of blessing. He says, I set before you blessing or cursing, life or death. You choose. See, God doesn't say, if you go that way, I'm going to kick you and I'm going to slap you and I'm going to put stripes on your back and I'm going to break your legs and I'm going to make you get in a car wreck and I'm going to make sure you're a paraplegic the rest of your life. I'm going to do all. God doesn't do that. Are you hearing me today? God does not do that. God is a good God. He's a God of blessing. But what happens is, if I say, no, I'm going to do this path. I'm going to do it my way. Then God says, okay, you're on your own. You're on your own. You choose, the, you choose the road of cursing. It's your choice. It's your choice. God gives us the power of choice. Parents, please hear me. The reason to correct your children is to get them on the right path. It's not to hurt them and scar them. It's to teach them to make right choices. It's not to emotionally scar them all the days of their life. Tell them they're stupid and they're ignorant and they're worthless. That's wrong. God doesn't do that to us. God tries to get us on the right path so he can bless us. Whom God loves, he corrects. Here's, here's the blessing of this. I want you to see it. When you feel correction coming, don't get like a porcupine and put your quills up and try to push correction away. Stop and receive it. Because the only reason God corrects us is because he loves us as his children. He loves you. He loves you. And he wants to get you on a better path so he can bless you. He wants to treat us as children. He delights in us is what scripture says. His children whom he's so delighted with you. And he says, hey, let, let me help you in this area. Let me get you on the right path here. God corrects us not to punish us, but to direct us to a better path. And then we have to choose. And here's what happens in closing. The blessing of this is, if we accept the correction of the Lord, it makes our relationship with God that much closer. Because he's able to love us more and pull us closer and do more things in our lives when we accept his correction when we accept and embrace his correction 
As I close this morning, I've talked about three paths. But I think this last path, in this series the last two weeks, maybe God has spoken some things in your heart and it's kind of tweaked you and it's like, uh, ow, uh. God's trying to lead you to a path of blessing where he can bless you in ways you've never been blessed before. But it's your choice. Maybe you're here today and maybe you've never been in relationship with God. Maybe you've never opened your heart to God. Maybe you've never said, God, I need you in my life. But maybe as you've sat here today and, and just listened to this simple teaching from Proverbs 3, maybe you've sat here and you've realized, wow, maybe God does love me. Maybe your heart's softening and maybe you just feel something inside and you realize, wow, man, I, th th this is right, this is truth. That's, that's the Spirit of God tugging on your heart, trying to bring you into relationship with God. But you know what? Coming into relationship with God is a choice. It's a decision. We have to say yes to Him. God put His own Son on a cross to pay the price for all of our sins. But we have to accept that our debt has been paid. He put His Son on a cross to bring us into relationship with Him, that we could be His children. But we have to say, yes, God, I want to be in your family I want to be your child and I want you to be my father it's by grace through faith me believing and saying yes to God I want to pray this morning I want to give you an opportunity to open your heart to God if you've never been in relationship with him or maybe you once were but you've just gotten far far away this is your day to come back into relationship with God so I'm going to lead you in a prayer today we, we, we open that door with words God I need you come in I'm going to lead you in a prayer, and I'm going to ask you to wrap your heart around these words. Say them with me. Everybody just bow your heads. I want to ask everybody to pray this right out loud and just wrap your heart around it and say, God, I need you, and I open my heart to you. I need you. I believe Jesus is the Son of God who died for my sins and was raised from the dead. I accept Jesus. As my Savior, full price for my sins. They're all paid. And I choose Jesus to become the Lord of my life. I give my life back to you. And I ask you to fill my life with your presence, with your blessing. From this moment forward, you are my Father, and I am your child. Thank you for loving me. Amen. Amen. Can we just welcome some people into God's family today right now? Let's just put our hands together. God bless you.